Hi, this is F.T. Lukens, and you're listening to the Super Lit Podcast. Intro music. Woo! The Superlit Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBTQIA community. Hello, Sophie, and hello, FT. Hi. Hi. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you here. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. This is my um, third time. Mm-hmm. And uh, do I get like a special like pin or like third time guest? Um, uh, I think uh, you, you can come up with something. Yeah, I think you and... <laughs> Who else is? It? I think there's one other person, and I, I don't, re- I don't recall who it is. But honestly, if it, it probably means something that I don't recall. <laughs> I'm sure they're my favorite person in the world, and I'm just forgetting. <laughs> but I, I actually, my the company that I work for right now, um, we have like a reads and reviews thing, and I told everyone that I got to read this book early, and I'm very excited about it. And I, I thought it came out in February, but it's April of next year. Yes, it's April. It's it's spring. Mm-hmm. All of mine have been um, either very end of March or very beginning of April. That's so exciting. What book are we talking about today, FT? We are talking about Otherworldly. It is a, a contemporary fantasy um, that is very weird. <laughs> <laughs> you're, the weather that you're having right now seems to match the book <laughs> currently. <laughs> Yes, the book takes place during a prolonged winter um, because the seasons just don't change. And um, right now I am experiencing um, a very cold Winnie the Pooh's blustery day. <laughs> I We've had, last night we had like really bad uh, like wind and rainstorm. And then I went to go mm-hmm. like move my car to park it. And I went to go drive down one of the streets that's near us and it was completely blocked off because an entire tree had fallen over. <laughs> Oh, oh no. God. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. I was like, why is this street blocked? And I was like, oh, that's an entire tree. But yes, if you want to give us like a little synopsis, this is so because this book comes out next year in the future, we can't talk s- super duper about it in terms of like spoilers like we usually do with you. Um, not even spoilers, but like more in depth, I would say. But I would love to get like the gist of the book if you can give that to us. Yeah, the the gist is is that there is this, uh, like I said, a kind of prolonged winter, and there is this character named Ellery who um, has moved away from home and is working in the city, um, and they are a skeptic. They don't believe in anything supernatural and kind of roll their eyes anytime paranormal stuff is brought up. And they um, happen to cross paths with a supernatural being and end up making a bargain for them to figure out what's going on with the weather um, and climate and for the supernatural being named Knox to be able to stay longer in the human realm. Obsessed. 
Um, <laughs> I I'm not kidding. When I opened the box and this was in there, I was like, oh crap. <laughs> It's beautiful. Um, um, Sam, Sam Schechter, who has yeah. done all the covers for me for the past four books uh, in Deeper Waters, so this is Ever After, and now Otherworldly, just continues to blow my mind every time I get art in, in my email that's like, we have the cover, and I'm like, oh, yay, <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. Um, and it always is. And I think this one is just, I wanted a blue book so bad. And and I got it, and it's just so pretty. There was someone that I follow on Instagram that was doing, like, I think special editions of your book, like your past books. They, I'm, or like redoing the cover, like in their art style. And I was like, wait, why do I recognize this? And then I read the caption. I was like, oh, wait, this is one of F- F- FT's books. Um, and I'm forgetting their name, which, of course, is, is what happens. Is it the Dazzling Bookshop? I think so. Uh, I follow the artist that I think was maybe doing um, the work for them or just in general, but I, Mm -hmm. I recognized in deeper waters because that was the first one I saw. I was like, why do I know what, like what? And I, I don't think I like looked at the title on it, but I was like, I recognize that these two characters and I was like, wait a minute, this is one of FT's books. (laughs) Um, and in Deeper Waters is one of the books I have when I'm like in between books. Um, I have that, and then there's the Great Deserves Better by Adib Karam that is also in my like. I've been very slowly reading these books, but yeah, I I need for your the artist that does the work on your books to re- release me. I need to be let go. I'm <laughs> I I need to stop being. Do you haunted. have a contract? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that needs to be fulfilled. Yeah. How did you? I I know this isn't specifically about the book. How did, were you introduced to them or um, like, did you get to pick the person who does the cover art or was it? No, that was not. I always forget how this works. (laughs) Yeah. I don't really even quite remember what, how it all went down, but I, I do know that Sam was brought on for in deeper waters and, from then it was just we're gonna get you in this vein and that was like I've no complaints here sure. <laughs> yeah uh, so uh and yeah i've just been lucky enough that, that they've been available for um each book so far yeah it's it's nice um when i'm like looking at uh your books together like they they feel cohesive in that way um yeah and uh it's just in general um because I also love like the the writing that you do. It's just like a whole the whole package is just like this is superb artwork on here. The book inside is Chef's Kiss. These magical queers they they <laughs> have me by the throat. Look, I am I'm perfectly fine with people like buying my books for the cover, and then you know, and then maybe a percentage of those like what's actually inside of it. I mean, that's chill. <laughs> that's cool. <Yes>. Um, <laughs> we but, love to judge books by their covers here. Exactly. Yeah. Please do. Please. Yeah. Do. <laughs> If, I mean, that's how I, if I'm buying like a wine or something for someone, I'm like, I don't know. The bottle was cute, which is exactly how that works. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell us, a, so tell us a little bit about writing about Ellery. Like, what was it like, like switching gears from your last book into this one? Yeah. So Ellery is like I said, a skeptic. Uh, Ellery was difficult because I, I wanted to make them a little abrupt, a little brusque, but still likable. 
Yeah. And I think it's debatable on if they in the beginning are very likable or not, but they soften as, as the book goes, but you know, they're coming from a place where they've had to grow up and make decisions and they they've realized that the adults around them may not always be making the most informed decisions and the best decisions. And um, that's kind of a hard truth that, you know, we all learn at different stages in our lives that the people that we um, look up to and the people that we've always counted on um, to help us make decisions, you know, as you grow older, you, you know, begin to develop your own worldview and begin to you know, learn new things about the world and, and all that. And then, you know, have that moment of, oh man, they, they might not know what they're actually talking about. <laughs> um, uh, and, or they may, you know, be misinformed or they may be making decisions out of a place of fear or of, of a place of miseducation. So um, Ellery, unfortunately, had to do that a, a little younger than, um, you know, when I had to do it, but, um, or, or when I made that realization. So Ellery is 17 and, and has grown up in a, a rural area, but has moved away and made the choice to become an adult because they felt like the people around them weren't being the adults they needed. Mm-hmm. It's always difficult when we realize that our uh, <laughs> siblings or our parents are uh, very deeply human people. And it's like the, the, you know, the rose colored glasses come off and you're like, crap. Yeah. Put it back on. Put it back on. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> you lose them moment of, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? Let me just, uh, yep, oh. this is better. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, I f- forget, like, in the book when I was reading, I forgot that Ellery was 17. And that's, like, established at the beginning of the book. Um, mm-hmm. But because they, you know, they don't live with their family. Uh, they live with their cousin, Charlie. Um, but they don't live with like their parents and they're not in, they're not in high school and they're working to support themselves. It's like realizing through the book, I'm like, this is a, like a young person, like this stinks for them. Like, this is very difficult. It's very understandable that um, they might be a touch brusque <laughs> <laughs> and especially oh, not believing in the goddess that is supposed to be protecting their lands that um, has clocked out five years ago. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, it's an unfortunate truth for some of the, of our, my readers or, you know, of folks that read YA that they've had to grow up quicker than, you know, other folks just because of life situations or things like that. Um, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to not have to have a, a job until I did turn 17, which <laughs> if you notice that Ellery works in food service <laughs> um, and is a, a dishwasher, I did that job. So <laughs> it's not fun. No, <laughs> that is definitely my experience of like washing dishes in a big old hot basin sink and then running it through Hobart, which is an industrial washer. That is a real thing. And then, uh, you know, having like, you know, your hands are all chapped from the hot water and, and mm-hmm. um, all of that. So yeah, that was very personal experience. <laughs> I always felt like whenever I would leave like my Starbucks shifts and would have to do that. And granted it wasn't even like that much food, but like afterwards I was like, I don't want to eat anything because I just looked at soggy food for hours right? and it's just like, yeah. <laughs> I don't feel well. <laughs> no, mine was a um, ice cream shop. Mm-hmm. Um, that was located in a horse racetrack. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, let's go. I know. Um, very strange. There's a, there's a horse racetrack by Richmond, Virginia, um, 
and uh, that's where I worked. And I race, worked in the actual track part, and there was an ice cream shop, and that's why I worked for the ice cream shop. Mm. So people were like paying in pennies <laughs> <laughs> um, and stuff like that to get their ice cream. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, when you have to like wash the hot fudge and wash the caramel sauce, you like don't want it at all. And yeah. like all the like the milk products is oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> It's I for a long time after working at a movie theater, I did not want to eat popcorn because I'd bring oh, yeah. trash bags of it home. And it was just like, I know I know how the sausage is made, if you will. And it's just like, I'm nothing about this is appealing. <laughs> so that's totally understandable. <laughs> I so I have to admit that I have a very um, a, a strong fondness for Knox, if only because they are very um your favorite brand. Yeah, very chipper and very sunshine. Sunshine babies. <laughs> Little sunshine babies. Those are Brendan's favorite characters always. Obsessed. <laughs> um, what was it like writing Knox? They're they're they are like a very good foil to um Ellery. Yes. Um Knox is huh. so one of the things that's difficult about writing a paranormal romance is mm-hmm. that kind of um experience discrepancy. You know, because a lot yeah. of you know folks that write, uh, and I, I don't want to like call anything out or anything like that. But you know, if you have a, a paranormal supernatural being that's you know decades older <laughs> than your teenage uh-huh. protagonist, yeah, um, that can get a little creepy. And mm-hmm. um, so one of the things I wanted to make sure was that they were on even footing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the kind of idea of where. Knox loses the experiences of uh, his past lives every time he crosses the barrier back into the other world. Um, and so during this time that he's in the human realm where he crosses paths with Ellery, um, he has, you know, he's a supernatural being, but has very limited outside experience other than what he's watched on TV. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that was actually pretty fun just kind of thinking about what would, you know, because the the person he's with, Arabelle, is kind of very driven and a and a shut in, and so he doesn't really get to go out and experience human life, mm-hmm. and so he has to learn everything from the TV. And it was really fun, just kind of thinking about well, what shows would be on, what kind of <laughs> things would he have seen? <laughs> yeah, the um, the witches, weverins, and werewolf show. Witches, wyverns, and werewolf show. Yes, <laughs> I love the yeah. My brain was like, this is if Teen Wolf and Vampire Diaries were one show. Well, yeah, that it was, was basically a uh, uh, like yeah, Teen Wolf, Vampire Diaries. Um, uh Riverdale uh <laughs> all of the all the hits these are yeah. all hits. right like all of those shows kind of mashed all together uh Sabrina you know um oh Wednesday you know those smashed all together into this like teen witches wyverns and werewolf shows that they're all obsessed with yeah I, I like that so it's just like different variations of like oh my god you're watching this I haven't gotten past episode nine it's like oh well, episode <laughs> 10 was a filler I I love when uh, Zeta comes in and is like, oh, I want to watch this. They're like, we're literally watching the finale episode. And they're like, oh, I'll watch, I'll watch the rest of the season later. I'll just jump in on the finale. Pure chaos. I, like, I cannot. Yeah, that was, that was Charlie because Charlie is bizarre. Oh, Charlie. Charlie was the most fun to write. And it's really <laughs> just because Charlie has just a really different way of viewing the world. 
I like how romantic Zeta and Charlie are, and they just like refer to each other as like pet names, which um I love that Ellery's just like, uh I love you guys so much. Um, but <laughs> I'm begging you to stop. <laughs> yeah, Zeta always refers to Charlie as babe, but Charlie changes it every single time. And that was you know, just something that kind of came up in the writing. I was like, oh, I used pumpkin here. Um, well, I'll say deer, and then I'll say muffin, and then it just got it got weirder and weirder as it goes I on. I love that. <laughs> That's my favorite thing, because I, I know that people also do, like, I in college, my friends used to make fun of me, because I, I affectionately refer to my friends as babe. Um, and I would say it in that exact tone, and my friend Leanne... Um, the one day, I think we were at a party and I was like, Hey babe. And she was like, Hey babe. And she was like, and it was just like, Oh no, I do this often. Don't I? And she was like, absolutely. You also get drunk and give people forehead kisses. And I'm like, that sounds right. That's me. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Sylvie, do you have anything you want to ask? No, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, well, I want, I was curious about where you started off with like, your like the mythology and stuff going on because like anytime I jump into fantasy I like the way I process like stuff is I kind of like get to feel the water and I'm like okay are we starting off like brand new are we jumping is this like pulling from like like current things that already exist and it, it kind of felt like a really interesting like hybrid sort of like I, I felt like I was seeing some like things from different mythologies that I've read but I also like don't want to like I want to hear how you came about, like, kind of building the world. So, yeah, so it it started with, like, basically, it, it's Faust. <laughs> it's Dr. Okay. Faustus. Um, <laughs> because uh, I had read Dr. Faustus back um, in a Shakespeare class a long, a, a decade ago. Um, and I had a professor that was like really into it. And, um, I wrote a paper about Faustian mythology and, and, you know, current media at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I wanted to kind of explore that cause I felt, oh, you know, that's not something that I've really seen in recent YA, you know, literature. And then of course, the minute I start writing it, there's all these, you know, other YA Faust books that come out, which is great. That's, that's amazing. It's, um, Mm -hmm. it's really cool. But um, so, yeah, I started with that kind of idea of the crossroads and um, all of that. And then it started looking into what kind of being I wanted, you know, Knox to be and, and, then from there, I was like, well, I know I want him to be able to be to tra- traverse these two other worlds. Well, I have to build the other world. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we've talked about this before, about how I've I've done a lot of studying in classical mythology and, and I have a minor in it uh, mm-hmm. from one of my degrees. And so I did a lot of research about Catholic goddesses and um, kind of pulled in some of that, but also pulled in some mythology from some other places too. So it's, it's a, (laughs) it's a mismatch (laughs) of kind of that Faustian bargain deal with a devil, um, but not a devil. Um, and that's not a stay away from demons and angels and, um, because, uh, there's a lot of 
you know, stuff, uh, media about them that's really popular. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did not want to bring on those comparisons. So it was really just piecing together a, you know, I knew that I wanted to have a crossroads bargain and a crossroads Mm -hmm. being, and it'd be supernatural to that extent. And that's where I started. And then from there, having to build around that premise and adding in the world building and then like the goddess and, and then, Oh, well, there's a goddess. That's a cathodic goddess. I have to have goddesses and goddess of other things <laughs> too. And adding those in. Um, and, and then some characters like Bram um, is definitely a messenger God that is kind of based off Apollo's Raven. So mm-hmm. um, there's, yeah. So there's definitely some pulling from, classical mythology as well as you know some uh european mythology yeah i feel like i, I was trying i was like picking up pieces of stuff and i was like oh this is like i was like oh no it's not that it's slightly different i was like oh okay we're like in a whole new little world this is very fun but i like i love that i think like my favorite genre of like fantasy is when it's sort of like that like trickster gods very like no one's really like this isn't good versus evil fighting we're just like existing and we have like fun little powers and I love like an ambivalent nymph just being like yeah I'll help you whatever I'm bored like that kind of energy yeah. I feel like is, my like, river that's is frozen my favorite over, kind so of I'm fantasy bored. characters yeah they're just like sure whatever human I guess like I got you know, a couple of years to kill you know <laughs> or whatever like so the funny thing about this book is that I actually had started it as a high fantasy um, and had written like a chapter, maybe even two chapters, maybe even three chapters <laughs> of it as a high fantasy and had started that way. And then had a had a little bit of a different premise, but a lot of the stuff was still there. And then was like, oh, no, I think it's going to be a contemporary fantasy. And really the only thing... I mean, Knox and Ellery both survived. um, They were a little different. But uh, one of the big things that stayed, one of the big scenes that stayed was the scene where they they meet in the alleyway. Um, Mm. That was actually the first time was a meet in the forest, um, but it became an alleyway. (laughs) Oh, wow. The They're very similar. An alley. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) quite similar. (laughs) I liked the um the use of um like little like the little symbolism in terms of like the the um the rabbit's foot and the um the I think oh, yeah. it was I think it was a four leaf clover and like yeah. some resin yeah uh, good luck charms is the word I'm looking for and the horseshoe when it was mentioned the first time it was like ah that damn horseshoe that doesn't do anything and then like later in the book it gets brought up I'm like oh I forgot about the horseshoe my I feel like. Every, like everyone's parents' house has like one of those little things that it's like, oh yeah, this is a thing that my parent parents believe in. Um, I'm not sure it does anything, but I was thinking of that and I was like, I feel like I have one of these in, in my parents' home that now I'm like, hmm, I should give this more thought and having one of these. Oh, like the um, the acorn. Yeah. The acorn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that was just a, you know, uh, Parents and grandparents and papas and mamas and all that kind of stuff. They have their own like quirky little, you know, things like you said, like, you know, there's uh, always been a horseshoe over this door or mm-hmm. um, there was uh, this little figure by the sink. Um, 
or whatever. Um, and it just kind of the acorn wrapped with the wire was given to Ellery by their parents. And, you know, they were like, oh, this is just does not worth anything. It doesn't do anything. And in that one scene in the alleyway, they're like, why couldn't they have given me mace? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A thing I actually could have used. Right. Something that I could actually use. And then much, much later, you felt, oh, well, actually that was useful. (laughs) (laughs) I I liked the, the acorn was one of my favorite things that, that Ellery had because it's like, I don't believe in this object. I'm going to carry it around anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Which is very much like how, like I've carried mace in the past. It's like, uh, I'm, I hope that I'll remember to use this or that I have it. Remember that I have it on me. And it's Mm -hmm. like a thing that we always have on us. And it's just like, Oh yeah, it expired. I forgot to like get it replaced or something like that. But it's the, the, the combination of the two items. It's like, well, the mace might've been useful, but the acorn was actually useful. (laughs) I was going to say, I, I like legitimately actually carry around like good luck charms with me. My bag's in the other oh, room, but I have like cute. a little glass good luck charm that has a, um, it's from Ireland. It has like a little four leaf clover emblazed on it and stuff. Oh, cute. I, I, didn't I like, know that. I get little objects that people gift me. I yeah. feel like they have energy to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom, um, mm-hmm. who actually passed away earlier this year, but, um, she was always really big on, um, like, when we would travel, you know, if I was traveling by myself or one of my siblings was traveling, she would give us a St. Christopher's medal mm-hmm. um, to carry with us. And yeah, she was always, uh, you know, giving us things to take with us, um, you know, and, and some of them were a little less practical, but more, more belief like the St. Christopher's medal. And then other things were things like, um, you know, uh, oh, <laughs> take this bag of snacks. Here, yeah. have a blanket. Um, do you have batteries? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, that that kind of came from, oh, not kind of, that came from just, you know, some things that, superstitions that my mom had, um, superstitions that my dad had um, about things like keychains and things. He would always yell at us if we, keychains were too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, you're going to ruin your ignition if your keychain is too heavy. Oh, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, just like little things, like little, I guess, pearls of wisdom, um, that my parents and grandparents and things would, would say to us or, um, give us. And, and, uh, yeah, so it, it the Ellery's journey of kind of realizing their parents don't know everything um, and realizing that they have to kind of be the adult, but also carrying that sentimentality with them um, Mm -hmm. of those little pieces from their parents and their, their family. And then also just uh, then kind of at the end realizing, well, that's just who they are. And either I have to accept them as they are or, you know, take a break and, Mm -hmm. and they choose the healthy, take a break. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's all very personal. <laughs> it's always, especially, um, I think it's something that's like very relatable, especially for like young queer people is, especially in that age group too. It's like, I was wondering how like Ellery's parents felt about Ellery being non-binary. And it's never a thing. I was when like the, their mom calls for the first time, I was like, I'm I'm dreading this phone call for this person. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but that was kind of the nice thing. It was never like a 
a misgendered or anything like that happened, which I appreciate about your books because I feel like also in the last one, um, I'm forgetting their name, but they're, I believe that, yes, they're also by uh, non-binary. Um, and I was like very happy to feel that there, it wasn't ever like weaponized or like a gender was thrown at them that like didn't feel right. And I think that's why I felt like lightly more safe when, <laughs> when the mom's conversation happened. Cause I was like, I don't think this is going to happen. I don't think it will. I don't think FT would do that to me. <laughs> no, I really want my books to be safe spaces for readers, especially queer readers, non-binary readers, you know, specifically just because trans readers, just because so much of that is, is already talked about uh, mm-hmm. around them and uh, about them um, mm-hmm. and not necessarily with their input. And uh, so they, they already experienced that so much in their, in their day to day that I, I don't want them to have the anxiety of a mom phone call um, and, and having the, you know, the misgender or the, the, that kind of dreaded queer talk. <laughs> um, so no, it's a different kind of dreaded conversation. Yeah. You're safe from those things, but guess what? There might be <laughs> vampires out there. We still don't know. <laughs> yes. The, um, the, the cows. <laughs> yeah. I, when that happened, I was like, is there a chupacabra that lives there? I feel like that would be like something that falls in. Just like hanging out. Yeah. Just like chilling. Hanging out. A man in a robe somewhere in the distance. He's got like a vegetable stand down the road. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Chupacabra with a vegetable stand. Um, So I have a a close friend, D.L. Wainwright, mm -hmm. who has a lot of knowledge about folklore and mythology. And they live in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was talking about settings for uh, this book, they were like, you know, cornfields are creepy. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Wow. I was like, ah. And so that's where the uh, fictional Solar City, you know, if you if you look really closely, is uh, basically Ohio. <laughs> Interesting. Sophie okay. literally just asked I, me like t- maybe 20 <laughs> minutes ago and was like, is there a setting that I missed? I like, it's just like, it's not spelled out for me. I was like, no, I, I think it's like a made up place, but I'm sure you can it ask. It is a made up place. <laughs> yeah. It is a made up place. It's totally was... made up. Um, <laughs> Google corn statues. And you'll <laughs> I was going to, okay, no, I was so sure that you were pulling from South Dakota because I have a friend oh. who lives in Sioux Falls and there is a corn palace there. <laughs> they go oh. to regular, like literally the, just like the, it was like what is described as like Bram's like sanctuary. I was like, is this supposed to fall? I was like, hold on. Let it's me. in Dublin, Ohio. The corn statues. <laughs> There's 106 of them. I mean, this is we kind love of terrifying. Corn in this country. We are we sure that there country. are statues and not like alien um, ships waiting to who take off? I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, who put these there? But I think just like generally, you just like the setting did a really good job of kind of like evoking that like middle America, like kind of pocket really well. So I like feel like even though it wasn't like a set space, like you didn't give it like an actual like uh, real like this is the location that we are in. I was right. like, I could see it in my head. I know like, I could feel the, the space that we're in. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of places in, in around where you can have a, like a really big city. Um, mm-hmm. And then you drive 20 minutes out, 25 minutes out, and there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, even here where I live in the mountains, um, you know, we have our, our 
big-ish, mid-size, small city, Asheville. But if you drive, you know, 25, 30 minutes, 35 minutes in, in any direction around it, you you end up in, in a pretty rural area. So there's a lot of places like that. And that was the, the picture in my head where they have this, you know, city that is stuck in winter. And so everybody is, is left. And so it's, it's pretty uh, vacant city. And then as, as Ellery says, if you kind of go in any direction from the city, you end up in a rural kind of farm area. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, I felt that was like a lot of people could, could relate to that and picture that in, in their head when they're reading the story. Um, and also one of the things I really played with, and I actually just wrote an article about this was just liminal spaces. And um, so liminal spaces are actually a really big aesthetic right now because of the pandemic. And, but the idea of liminality has been around for a really long time. And basically it's areas that are vacant or they're places that serve a purpose, but they're not serving their purpose because there's no people (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, or they kind of, they're transitional places like rest areas, alleyways, abandoned malls. um, And those areas kind of pop up a lot in this book, crossroads, Mm -hmm. cornfields. Those are all like a lot of the major scenes take place in places that are, are liminal settings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think it looked really well too, with just like the whole theme of everything of like you already said, yeah, the crossroads and kind of like there's this barrier that Knox is constantly like passing through, through his multiple lives. And now he's just stuck in this like, in between limbo kind of just like this dead space almost because this like the unending winter mm-hmm. yeah it was very good <laughs> well the yeah, book all is-, is about transitions and and moving from you know with Ellery moving from adolescence to adulthood um for Knox you know moving between being human versus being supernatural um mm-hmm. and uh you know for the other characters for Zeta and Charlie you know it's they're in a, this kind of stuck in a liminal, uh, you know, position because of the, you know, unending winter. So uh, they are stuck, you know, the populace of Stola City stuck. And so everyone is, is kind of stuck in this transitional period. And so they all have to work towards being unstuck. Mm. So um, that is like the big theme of the book. I feel like especially after like, COVID and people are, even though COVID is obviously still happening with people like starting to, um, I work in clothing retail and people are I, coming in more often looking for like work clothes because they're going back into mm. like working in, in public. And I'm like, I've been here for years. It's, it's interesting to see, um, I guess people are being forced to be unstuck and, and going back into their, I, I guess, pre COVID lives. But the liminal spaces, now that you've said it, like liminal spaces also, like some of my like favorite like spooky things to do are like l- like watch people do those like let's plays of the liminal spaces video games. <laughs> um or like whatever on TikTok. And they're 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 very spooky. And I mm-hmm. really felt that in the book in the mall. Yes. Um, and as a person who's worked in malls that are, are currently um passing away, if you will, um <laughs> it is like very eerie to be in those spaces where like this area of the mall is just like no one goes over there because it's like shut down there's nothing there um 
and I hadn't thought of like comparing like that to like Knox's journey of like, well, I'm like here for work, but also I'm like kind of stuck, like not really sure how I'm helping Arabelle, but like I'm here to help her. I just don't know like what we're doing. But that that is a very interesting like connection. I didn't think of that while I was reading. Yeah, Knox is um, you know, he he has not heard from his queen um mm-hmm. of the other world for so long. Um, and that's unfamiliar to him. And then also he's got this boss that, you know, some days is a friend and some days is not. And he knows he's there for a job to do, but he's not quite sure what he's doing. And then <laughs> When the opportunity presents itself for him to, you know, skip school, <laughs> basically, <laughs> um, have a have a day off, mm-hmm. um, he uh, he takes it, and uh, you know, it's it's one of those kind of uh, markers of of his adolescence and immaturity is is that uh, he just kind of runs on impulse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And he's like, um, well, you know, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, when you have magical powers and you like, there's no quote unquote, no consequences, if you will. In the five years he's been with Arabelle, it's like, I've, I've just been going to the, the diner and picking up food and looking at some cuties while I'm there. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, why wouldn't you try to have a Ferris Bueller's day off, if you will? You have exactly. to let the intrusive thoughts win at least once. Absolutely. Just one time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens. He he allows the intrusive thoughts to win. And so uh, he grabs the vial uh, and runs and he meets Ellery. And then from there, everything just kind of spirals for him. But, you know, they they their situations mirror each other because Ellery, you know, made the the choice to to grow up and and move away and you know become an adult uh a little early uh because they felt they needed to and feels really disconnected from their family home and and their parents and Knox is the same Knox has not heard from his parental figure his creator the queen for years and doesn't know what's happening and is scared to go back because he doesn't know what he's going to find if he goes back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, makes that choice of, well, <laughs> she's, she's abandoned me. So I'm going to abandon my duties um, and goes and starts gallivanting around with humans. My theory that I will not say is right or wrong was that, um, his his queen had like had passed away. The shades had done something to her. There was like an uprising of some sort, and that's why the winter mm-hmm. had started. Um, and I was like, as I was reading, I was like, I wonder if I'm right. Um, and it was just like, I think this is something I really like about like fantasy style books is like kind of coming up with like a theory before you get there to see like if it's gonna match like what's going on. Um, and so, Sophie, did you have a theory that you cannot prove or disprove um, based on this conversation? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I, I was like, you had to come up with you an know, answer. I, when I'm reading, we've talked about this more so with like mystery, like true mystery novels. Mm-hmm. I am always like every new character is introduced. I'm like, they're the killer. And yeah. then a new ca- character walks in the door. <laughs> no, Williams. they're the killer. <laughs> like I, I empty head. I'm like, where is the author taking me? I'm not, it's not my responsibility to think right now. I'm just reading words. Um, that's not true, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think I had any like big 
theories in that sense. I think the whole time I was kind of trying to figure out the shades, they definitely have the most like ominous energy. Mm-hmm. And this is like so unrelated. Well, it's gently related, but I went to a haunted house <laughs> in October and there was one room that we went in that was like so cool. It was just like filled with fog and there was these like stilt walkers and they had like these really cool, like geometric looking, like just their masks were just like kind of triangle shapes with like little faces and then they just had like billowing like silky fabric and they were so cool that we and my friends literally stopped and like applauded them we were like these costumes are so cool you guys look so sick right now i'm so scared that would I be promise you with the you're shades. scaring me <laughs> yeah but like that was like i was like kind of that energy that i was like, getting from them i was like i'm terrified of you but also you're so cool <laughs> like i don't know what to feel yeah well, as um, as Knox says, the shades are shady, um, <laughs> and uh, they're definitely the three of them. You know, because they they it's in the prologue. It's not a big spoiler. Um, they pop up um, when Arabelle does her whole beseeching, um, mm-hmm. and they show up, and they're very much you know kind of the the sinister um, what people kind of think of would pop up if you made a bargain at a crossroads but they're also kind of like the three witches from Macbeth mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah so uh that's why there's three of them um also yeah, because like um three is a, a number that pops up in mythology a lot um mm-hmm. so but yeah they're they're definitely kind of like the three witches from the beginning of Macbeth we love uh I love Yeah. <laughs> I'm love now them. realizing also how Sophie would die in a scream movie. You would very much be like a oh no, Mr. Ghostface. <laughs> yeah. No, literally, yeah. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Don't dissect that. Don't yeah, think about it's that fine. Long. We won't. You won't get stuck in a doggy door going through and you know a, a I know I wouldn't a garage well, door. Well, that's a whole other yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> FT, did you have a, a favorite character in this book to write? Charlie. Uh, <laughs> that was that was you were like waiting for that it's like please ask me <laughs> no it's just because it was so fun to watch to just write someone that's kind of just unhinged um mm-hmm. uh and off the wall no she's mm-hmm. she's very she's very emotionally in tune with everyone um mm-hmm. and she's very but she, she's very mature um but she's just someone who you know sees the world in in bright colors and <laughs> says what she feels and um but does it nicely and and is kind of just you know wears her heart on her sleeve is is just out there she's super fun um but every time i got to write her dialogue i was like oh what's she gonna say <laughs> what is she gonna say as you're typing <laughs> <laughs> um and she also my favorite thing is she befriends everyone this messenger god that is just like unimpressed the whole way through um and at the end <laughs> her, uh they're they're friends <laughs> i i love bram's character it. so much and i don't it's just like I I obviously love the main duo. I love Knox and Ellery, but I don't know when like Bram was introduced. I was like, oh yes, a bird person. Hello, <laughs> my favorite genre. Yes, bird people. So I do you know I write a bird in every book. I don't know what it is, um, but in deeper waters, Kest has is a bird, and it's this is ever after. There's crow, um, right? 
and and now in otherworldly there's bram um we love a raven and, uh, yeah i don't you know what know what that's about um <laughs> i don't we don't need just, to unpack it <laughs> i just saw the boy and the heron and i had the same thought as i was leaving because there's uh, there's obviously the titular heron but there's a lot of bird creatures in that movie and i was like Miyazaki's always putting bird people in these films. There's always someone who's got bird feet at some point, or they turn into a bird, or they are a bird. I was like, I need to do more research about like birds and symbolism. And just because I was like, I'm noticing this now. So now I'm also going to be deep diving to your work and comparing it to Miyazaki. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, I just turned in but- a book where there's a character that is a raven. And... Um- <laughs> We love so the this. Only, the only book that does not have a prominent bird is Spellbound. But even in that book, when they're asking the question Massive of like, bird. what do you want to be, a cat, bird, or a dog? I mean, it, there, it's there. The yeah. possibility is there. Yeah. Um, could have turned yeah, into a bird, but... It could be birds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that's all about. Just something fun that I always do, I guess. But, um, yeah, the... <laughs> When when he shows up and he's a bird person, um, and you know, is is some like you know, don't talk to me, people. Yeah. Um, but I'm busy looking at my windmill the car, and they're like, "You're coming with us." He's like, "Well, I'm in it now." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> Should I not be you in? You want me to come you, after? I all thought you needed my help. I thought I was being useful. Yeah, I think uh, like it's like mm-hmm. birds are just like if you. Not to be stereotypical, but it's like cats are, you know, so judgmental and dogs are like happy they love everyone. I feel like a bird is like a really good neutral base, but then also you have such a good variety of them where it's like you can do spooky raven crows or you can do like tropical. You can really go, I support the bird theory. I think we should continue it. Yeah. Mm -hmm, Um, ravens are hard to impress, but once you have impressed them, they bring you gifts. Um, right. and, um, they're, sp- they're supposed to be, um, birds that are there. They seem scary and ominous, but they're supposed to, um, bring good tidings. So they're supposed to be like good luck. And they're also incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love yeah. ravens. Oh, well. Yeah. We love a Corvid. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Bram was, uh. One of the, actually the last characters I made, the last, let me think. I think one of the very last characters was Hale. Um, mm-hmm. And and I have put this disclaimer everywhere. Nobody should like Hale. No. Nobody <laughs> should be like, oh, I love Hale. No. I'm sorry. Your, your vibes are rank. <laughs> Literally. Hale is awful. Yeah. We do not stay in Hale. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and Hale gets no redemption arc. Okay. So there's, there's, like, even at the end, when he's kind of helping out, even at that point, Knox is like, I don't like you. Yeah. This is community service. It's not. It's yeah. Not his own you owe me. <laughs> I think, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, as soon as, like, Hale was introduced, I was just like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and I, I thought, I thought, and I will not say if this is right or wrong, I thought Hale's a vampire because they had just been brought up, like, maybe three pages beforehand. And when Hale was like, hello, I was like, that's a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) I'll reach you and like, that's a vampire. They were just brought up. (laughs) Are you sure he's not a witch, a wyvern, or a werewolf? (laughs) 
Um, I think all three three at once. (laughs) You're going to be listening to this and be like, um, he's a vampire. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Actually, he's a vampire. I mean, he, who's to say? Not me. Yeah, who's to say? And and not really. Yeah. But Mm. was it hard writing um, (laughs) such a deeply unlikable character? (laughs) I mean, that complimentary. um, It was, it was, uh, that scene was difficult to write in, in the beginning anyway, uh, just because there's so many like yeah, connotations in it. And mm-hmm. um, it, so at the very beginning, I was like, okay, they're going to a party. And then that's when Zeta's like, um, we are timing our watches. We're meeting back up here um, yeah. in an hour. You do not drink anything that has handed to you. You do not take anything that looks like candy. <laughs> I love <laughs> this. Yeah. Kind mm-hmm. of lays out these rules um, of how to be safe at a party. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to make sure that was in there. <laughs> I like that that was also explained and everyone was like intently listening. It wasn't like, a, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, whatever. <laughs> I'm already in the other room because I feel like that's <laughs> no, always what all- happens. Yeah. No, when Zeta speaks, I mean, people listen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As you should. It's important. Yeah. Yeah. Zeta said, this is my house. You're going to listen to me. Charlie said, yes, sir. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I mean. Sugar plum. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Muffin. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm trying to think. Is there, I don't remember if if it's explained. I'm just curious. Where did Charlie and Zeta meet? I'm sure it's, it was in a line and I just missed it. No, actually, it's not really said. Um, oh, okay. I can imagine that Zeta went to the diner and um, Charlie was like, I'm taking this table. Yeah. <laughs> this table is mine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. So, Charlie went into the back and started making food. <laughs> like, I, go, I, need, I need for you to leave the room for 20 <laughs> minutes. I have to make something. <laughs> Charlie and Zeta were together way before Ellery mm-hmm. comes to live with them. So, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so they're a very solid relationship for Ellery, but also uh, a very solid example of a of a queer relationship that for uh, that is working. And um, despite all the the hardships and everything, and and also they're just uh, an example of two very different people <laughs> who love each other. Um, even though at times they both say, or actually Zeta more than Charlie, that Zeta's like, she's just really weird, but I love her. <laughs> Anytime like there was a speech, like a, a line that's like, you're really fucking weird. I'm like, and I know that was Zeta saying that to Charlie or <laughs> Ellery just acknowledging that their cousin is a weirdo, which I feel like we all have that one cousin that we're like, honestly, can't wait to go to this reunion if only because I know their vibe is going to be strange and I can't wait to see them. I'm the I strive I'm to that be that cousin. cousin. Yeah, I strive to be that person. Yeah, I, I, I am that cousin. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly happy that you have that title. You deserve it. It's the best. I've title. worked hard for it. It's, yeah. um, it's been a long, uh, a long process in earning that title. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, I'm actually not so much that cousin as I am that, um, that aunt uh, to the nieces and nephews, and and they're always like. Uh, uh, we're so glad you're here because <laughs> you're the normal one. <laughs> okay. Oh no. Yes. yes. You're not wrong, old. but <laughs> you're right. I think I'm him. the my nephews are um 
they're one of them just entered high school, which um, he is now the age that uh, I was when his parents got married, which makes me feel um, super icky. Um, and they've been hard to shop for for Christmas. It just gets like progressively worse for me because I'm like, what do teenage boys like? What do straight teenage boys like? Is what I'm I'm asking. Um, and I could not sports ball sports. Who loves they love sports? They want to hold the basketball. Um, and I tr- I really want them to talk to me like that, but I'm absolutely not <laughs> the one that they go to for that. No, my um the majority of my nieces and nephews are adults, mm-hmm. um, mm. and that's just because one I'm old. Not really. Um, but two is that my brothers and sisters are much older than I am. And so oh, okay, yeah. they were having children and my closest niece and I are only eight years apart. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And and she grew up with me and, and lived in the same house. So she and then like there's five or six others that are right around her age, mm-hmm. uh, all in their 30s. And then there's a group that are all in their 20s. So they're all. Uh, there's there's a few that are younger that are in like middle school, mm-hmm. but majority of them are are twenties and older. So they <laughs> we we have a really kind of we have good relationships, but it, it's mo- mainly <laughs> because they you know when I would see them when they were younger and stuff, I'd be like, I brought a game, you guys want to play? <laughs> <laughs> or you know yes. Like, yeah, let's let's go watch TV or you know, the adults are talking and I'm more their age, so mm-hmm. um they see me more as a, a younger person. My nephews um found out that I used to like Pokemon cards. The last time I was at my to. brother's house. Well, I mean, I, like if they were given to me, I was like, ah, oh, yes, a relic, mm-hmm. um, a family heirloom, <laughs> if you will. And my youngest nephew was like, Oh yeah, like my Pokemon cards, and I was like, You're what? And apparently kids like Pokemon cards now. Um, mm-hmm. They're popular and again. That was like the one time I think I appeared cool to my <laughs> nephews. I'm waiting for them to be in their 20s because then I think maybe I'll be cool to them. But I wish I had that relationship because I want to be the cool uncle. But my brother James is because he Rude. knows sports things. Half uh, of my friends haven't even met James. They don't think he's real. So he's that's not. just No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you've known me for 100 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm the the <clears throat> youngest of five. I'm sure I've brought that up before. So there's a hundred of us. Um, You've got many, yeah. There's too many of us. There's a lot of us too. Um, and you're the best, I'm sure. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, um, no, my my nieces and nephews think it's really cool that um, they can go to a bookstore and and find my books. Um, yeah, and, and point out and be like, oh, we're related to that person. <laughs> it is cool. <laughs> they think that's cool and. Um, some of them have have gone to conventions with me, and some of them have gone to like signings and stuff with me. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, they they find it fun, and then like you know, one of the the cool things is having some friends in in author world and being mm. able to go, hey, can you sign this for my niece, or can you? Oh sign yeah, this? And, yeah, yeah, and and being the the cool person who is like, hey, I got you a signed book as a present. <laughs> you double wears product. Yeah. It's like, I got you an unbound, but I rebound it myself. It's signed. There's three books in advance. The Not unpublished. That much, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. Um, also, I, I always do this whenever I've, whenever <laughs> I refer to the authors that have been on the podcast as my friends, um, because that's just the end goal for me. 
um, I was talking at work, and I was like, "Oh yes, my friend FT Luke." That's cool. No, I'm totally, I'm totally. When they, when they, I got the email that was like, and the title was like "Podcast Opportunity," and I mm-hmm. opened it, and it was like "Super Lit Podcast." I was like, "Yes, <laughs> I love doing that one." <laughs> I want to send Alex fruit basket, honestly, because anytime they've sent me something, and I remember. I want to say in October, maybe they were like, Hey, would you be in? I was like, of course, never ask again. Just send it to me. I want to talk to always send us. Yeah, yes. please. I'm begging you. <laughs> it could be something written on like a piece of paper. I want to read it. <laughs> Your grocery yeah. list. Yeah. Give me the, anything. I'm begging. Well, I love like the last time we, we, the last time was the, the car honking and that was <laughs> hysterical. <laughs> Um, but there was a time we talked about Disney movies for a long time. And then, um, there was the little Sebastian conversation we had. I mean, like, it's just, you know, (laughs) when they, when folks listen, you're just going to get a lot of pop culture references. That's what we do. That's how I communicate with people through pop culture (laughs) references. (laughs) This is my love language. Mm -hmm. I made my boyfriend, I told before he came here and met Sophie, because he lives abroad, I told him, I was like, so Sophie and I communicate in Vine language, which means, like, we will just randomly say to each other, like, oh, the baby covered in peanut butter. Ah, like, just just sounds at each other. And I remember I did yeah. it, I, like, said it aloud once, and he was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's a baby covered in peanut butter. And he was like, it's what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, you have to, scared the poor thing. I was like, you might want to, like, watch a Vine compilation so you understand how Sophie and I communicate. He's like, is it really? Like, will I really not get it? I'm like, I mean, you might not understand some of the things that we're saying to each other and think it's just me being very funny. Um, And it's not. It's something that I heard six years ago, and it still lives in my brain. (laughs) That's how it works. That's the the fun part of um, having relationships, you know, like this and stuff, and and having your own language where, where memes, which already have a different meaning from you know, just, just being a meme in itself and then turning that meme into language that you use, Mm -hmm. um, and takes on a different meaning. Uh, I love like the evolution and and seeing the evolution, um, of, of language like that. It's, it's, it's like that Star Trek episode that everybody talks about, you know, um, at, I can't remember it, but when the walls fell, this is a Sophie thing. uh, Like OG series. Or... No, it's uh, Next Generation, where they okay. meet the aliens and they talk in historical references. <gasps> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm clocked in. I'm back in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I logged on. I logged on. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of things in that, like, in that vein, I remember in the last book, you had said that there were, like, not Easter eggs, but there was, like, something in reference to perhaps, it might have been a Star Trek episode or something like that in your last book, was there anything like that in this that I might've overlooked that might be like, Oh, Oh, so Mm -hmm. I think in Spellbound, what we talked about was the reference to the emperor's new groove. Oh Um, yes. 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 (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, not really. Um, I, if I did, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, but I don't think there's really, uh, anything that's an, Oh, that question has caught me off guard because I'm sure there is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, while you're thinking, I have a thing that I need to tell you that has is so long-winded and unnecessary, but I just need I to tell wait. you this Stephen story. I've been watching The Traders, which is like a UK reality show, and they just have to do stupid physical competitions for money. 
one of the things they had to do was like go across a bridge, but there were trap doors and they didn't know which of the trap doors would fall out. They're all secure very much like they're on, they're not getting hurt, but they basically had to just like guess and check to see which one was in the trap door. And if someone fell through, they send another person out and they're like, okay, they fell on that one. So it's definitely not that one. But at one point, one of the people fell through and as she was falling through the trap door, she just goes wrong level. And I like started cackling. I was like, this is such a niche joke. Also, I need to bring it up next time we talk about tea. That is so hilarious. hard. Because it was like legitimately like you heard her voice fall away as she fell. Under the- it was so good. I was like, it's real. That's hilarious. Uh, I, thank you. I appreciate Tell me that. That's and maybe so, think of you. <laughs> but I really can't think of anything other than just the obvious, you know, um, like we talked about the the Macbeth witches and then the yeah, the the and we talked about like the witches wyverns and um mm. werewolves show just being an amalgamation <laughs> of all those YA supernatural paranormal shows and them all being into it. I think that's really all I can really think of that are are little kind of nods to other things and their media. I was going to say, sort of connected, just like the TV shows. I loved so much that Knox, like, at, like at certain points was like, okay, so if I was in a teen drama right now, this is what would be <laughs> happening. So should I do that? Or should I like not do that? Because it's like in a show. So is it not? Re- and I was like, oh, okay, buddy, let's go. I love this. Mm-hmm. I love this mm-hmm. character so much. Well, the, actually, one of the scenes that was added in edits was him watching the show and him being like, you know, oh, the person ran in at the last moment. Of course, they wouldn't kill them off because they're a main character. <laughs> <laughs> Not mid-season. They wouldn't do that. Mid-season. They can't possibly do that. <laughs> do that. This isn't Once Upon a Time. They can't just kill off the sheriff. <laughs> I love that. I love like little meta things like that. And it was, I felt like it was such a good to like you were saying earlier, it like really got you got the sense of like, okay, technically Knox is very old, I guess, but like the way that he's processing stuff, it's like, yeah, this is a teenager. This is another kid kind of like he's reset sort of. Yeah. And that was like a really good, just like writing shorthand, I guess, for kind of, giving that relationship that you like you wanted to establish and kind of setting yeah. up that, how did you say uh, even ground or level ground? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Equal footing. I wanted to make equal sure footing. that there was no weird power dynamic between Ellery and Knox and, mm-hmm. and based on experience, I mean, there's still a little bit of a, a power dynamic because Knox has information that Ellery doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah. But they, but overall it's not a, you know, person that has lived on earth for 150 years and has all this experience versus a 17 year old. It is, it is really two adolescents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think right. that kind of like character building those little moments really helped establish that a lot. And I think also it kind of added like a light thrill that like, if he got caught by the shades he would immediately be like sent back so every time the shades appeared i'm like oh my god he's gonna forget ellery <laughs> no. i'm gonna finish this show like that's just, that's every yeah. time the shade like there was like a, a wind the wind was blowing i was like oh god the shades are here it's happening 
Um, I did want to ask. So one of mm-hmm. the things that was a real, the third act was mm-hmm. um, probably the most difficult piece of the book to write. And it was rewritten several different times. But one of the things that I was hoping that folks were were guessing about while they're reading the the front two thir- two thirds is who is going to make the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have like a character that you had picked out that you were like, okay, this is the person that's doing such and such? You know what I'm do you, are you getting what I'm asking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh and were you right? Uh, I wasn't right. <laughs> yeah, I I, th- I, th- I thought it was going to be out of the let's say there's Bram, there's Charlie, there's Ellery, there's Zeta, um, and Knox. Nah. Let's just say that the five, yeah, five people there, um, and Lorelai. I I thought it was going to be someone specifically, and I was like, oh, this but quote unquote would be easy for them. And um, I was wrong. Also, um, as soon as Lorelai was introduced and they gave their name, I was like, this is Lorelai Gilmore. <laughs> but, like, this is Lauren Graham. Yeah, this is, is Lauren that. Graham. She opens the door and <laughs> I am a water nymph. <laughs> so Lorelai is, is a, a, a nod. Mm. Um, not to get more close. <laughs> <laughs> not to Stars Hollow. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> One day we're I knew get it wouldn't be. As soon as I saw the name, I was like, "Well, I have brain rot, so this is fine." Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a it's a nod to a the Lorelai River, um, and there's oh. a myth about it uh, about a siren. So that would be a good thing to look up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the that's the inside joke is is that she makes is is like oh I'm going by Lorelai now and it's yeah. because it's a specific myth about uh, a a siren mermaid esque uh, myth um, mm-hmm. in the Lorelai River. I'll have oh, to look that up because I, I I knew I figured I figured there had to be a reason for it if only because it to me it feels like a very specific name but i think also because i was like i can't imagine ft likes gilmore girls this much do <laughs> <laughs> you know i've only watched like three or four episodes of it or something um wow i've watched it all recently and by that i mean like last year because sophie was watching it and i think we started at season yeah. 3 so i was like i okay. mean i'm always watching it's one of my shows that it's like it's, it's always sort show. of on in the background at some point i just like oh what should i do while i'm packing us oh, but on gilmore girls whatever yeah. but um, i think you caught me in that rewatch and you were like ooh i'm going to watch it with you and then we just actually watched the whole show instead yeah. of me doing the thing i do where i just skip around and watch my favorite episodes out of order yeah everyone <laughs> on that show is terrible complimentary <laughs> so biggest <right>. thoughts <laughs> Um, so anyway, of those characters, yeah. Yeah. you you guessed wrong. Mm-hmm. So was so was it a surprise that who did it? So I think that the like build up to it with with out of the six, the person who is newly supernatural, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not expect that like them to be. Uh, I guess I didn't expect them to become the way that they were. Mm-hmm. I I expected someone the else to be like are. I'm here. Yeah, the way that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I expected someone to be like, oh, no, it's me. Totally me. Like, hi, hello. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect that because I, I feel like that particular character that I thought it was going to be, it felt like something that they would do um, mm. because they're very um, not level-headed is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. They seem very much like, I made a decision. And then all the, all the listeners are like, what the hell are they talking yeah. about? <laughs> you have to wait until April. April 2nd. Read the book in April and then yes. it'll make We're sense. We're trying to, trying to not spoil it, but yeah. it, it was something that I really struggled. Not The third act was a struggle. I will mm-hmm. say it. It was mm-hmm. a struggle. That whole manuscript, honestly, when I turned it in, it was a hot mess. Um, <laughs> and it took a lot of reworking and a lot of, of rewrites to get it to where I and my editor liked it. Yeah. Um, and the third act was the hardest part, but one of the one of the tricky balances was getting to that third act and having the start of that act be a, a surprise, mm-hmm. you know, and having readers be like, oh, it could be this, it could be that, it could be this, you know, and trying to figure out what was going to be that inciting incident for that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Oh. I think also like in the third act too, like the world, the, the time that you spent world building for this, this, um, this other world, if you will. And the characters in the book have a, like as humans, we have a very spe- unspecific understanding of what um, something like that is. Mm-hmm. And like throughout the book, it's like, Oh, well that's actually wrong. It's more like this. It's like little sprinkles of like, okay, we're slowly shaping the, the ceramics, if you will, it hasn't entered the oven yet because you haven't seen it yet. Um, but it's slowly being shaped, if you will. This pot that we're we're spinning, it's uh, it's being shaped. <laughs> and then in the third act, you kind of see like what you fully get, like a, the look at like what you're looking at, if you will, like the thing that's being built in front of you. And it's it's uh, especially for the person who's encountering it, like it's you know it's not something that they thought that they would encounter. Um, and it's through their gaze, uh, like their lens, if you will. Um, and while I was reading that, I was like, this is like, for me too, as the reader, this is my first time encountering this as well. Um, so I'm like very much like looking at it through the lens of this character. And there's a lot that's like in, in this specific chunk of the book that um, is like kind of like thrilling and scary, but it's like a lot was built up to this point. So there's like, I hope I don't sound silly while I'm saying this. It's, it sound it's, um, it's, there's a lot of like the book's thrilling parts are in this spot. And throughout the book, there's obviously like the shades and then, you know, meeting Hale. And then, um, the way you said that was like, oh, really it. It. Yeah. um, I, you know who I'm thinking of when I say it's, and it's not, I know that's not, I'm sure it's who, who you weren't thinking of. Um. Uh. Who's that? That actor that was on RuPaul's Drag Race. That I think that episode was very funny because Michelle Visage hated that. Um, Joe McHale. Joe McHale. I was thinking yeah. of him. Oh, <laughs> I can see that. I think uh, because that, Hale, but like pitch perfect casting. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> um, the Absolute worst person you've vibes. ever met. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah. Is it, so I've been watching. As one of my comfort shows is Community. Uh-huh. Um, and Joel McHale is the lead. In yeah. yeah. 
But I, no, that's not who I was picturing. <laughs> well, <laughs> he I was on a very specific episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, and he um, made Michelle Visage so angry the entire time that he was on the judges panel. And I thought it was amusing because Michelle Visage doesn't ever get rocked he, like that. He just like he was like cheering for the drag queens like he was at a sporting event and he was driving her crazy. Like they would come <laughs> out in their like costumes, like yeah. <laughs> He was like so excited, but we were all like, I can't please. Silent man. Yeah. yeah. Why, who let the straight man onto the drag show? Yeah. <laughs> like it was very, he was very enthusiastic. He was trying to be very supportive, but mm. also reel it in a little bit. But that's who I was um, imagining for that character. Um, but <laughs> I think like throughout the book, there's like these thrilling events and they're kind of scarier. Like they're very, like there's high tension, but I think that chunk of the book, it's like so much more tension. Yeah. Um, so I can, I can see where like having to like rewrite or like add something or take something away in that, that area. Cause there's so much information there. I really enjoyed that part of the book. Uh, Cause it was like a change of scenery too, if you will. And so much of the climax is obviously there too. Right. Yeah. And it was um, the, it was fun creating, you know, the, the characters that, that are core four, you mm-hmm. know, meet throughout their lives in this city. And then having the, the kind of moment of, oh, well, this one can help us with this and this one can help us with that. And this one can mm-hmm. help us with this. Um, and kind of bringing all of that information together um, was a real like satisfying Thing for me <laughs> mm-hmm. to be able to drop all those hints throughout and then have them, you know, be useful hints. <laughs> yeah. It's also like nice, like at the, towards the end of the book, you've, you've constructed your, uh, your D and D party, if you will. Um, yes. and, uh, it's just nice to see, it's nice to see things come together like that. Yes. Yeah. It's always comes back to a D and D party with me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how it is. As it should. Yeah. As it should. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was uh that was the real difficult piece. And I'm glad that it worked. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. I feel like I don't know if I can ask anything else without like having to like dance around. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a vague I think this question is the earliest that we've spoken to you about one of your books. Um, and I was thinking about that today, like while I was reading, I finished up. I was like, I really, I wonder how I'm going to be able to ask certain questions because obviously we can't, we can't spoil the book for you guys. And it, I'm very excited that we got to read it. And I think yesterday I got home from work and I like immediately started reading and then I realized it was midnight and I was like, oh no, I've been reading for like four hours. (laughs) Oops. Oopsie. Oops. Yeah, that happens. Um, There's definitely been times where I've been, going back through or doing edits or something like that. And I'll be like, Oh, let me just read this section again. And then like later I'm like, Oh wow. I've read like five chapters. <laughs> um, and I read it without like an editing eye or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Let me go back. <laughs> You're just <laughs> reading. Read yeah. <laughs> oh, here's a question for you. Do you have, I have a hard time looking at my work, like photographically looking at it for like long periods of time. Cause then I'm like, Oh, I actually don't like this photograph. I no longer want to look at it anymore. Do you have any advice for people who are writing and they're looking at their own work? Um, how to not be very critical of their work to the point where it's like, I don't want to show this to anyone. Well, no. no. 
<laughs> no, it's hard. It's like it's it's very difficult. That is it is a skill that I've had to learn because mm-hmm. um, there's definitely points in the whole drafting editing creation process where mm-hmm. you're at a point you're like i have looked at this a billion times i hate it i don't want to see it again but of course you have to see it again because you have to see it again over and over and over yeah um and i just my my piece of advice would be just to um remember that you're going to be your your worst critic you know um and even when something has gone through the editorial process and been seen by your main editor, your copy editor, your, you know, um, proof editor, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody's going to catch everything. You know, there's mistakes that always make it through. Um, but also, you know, relying on those different pieces of the editorial process and remember that those folks are also trying to make the best possible work and, and knowing that that is, uh, that everybody is trying to, you know, make a product that, um, is the best it can be and that they're not going to allow something that's not, you know, good <laughs> mm-hmm. to make it out. In the yeah. um, or at least, you know, the, the team, I, you have to trust in your team. And I really do trust in my, my editors and my agent and, mm-hmm. and everybody. But the other part of that, the, the other piece to that is to just love what you write. And, and what you're creating, because mm-hmm. even at times where I'm like, oh, I'm so sick of looking at this book and I'm so sick of the blah, 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 blah. I don't want to read this again. I don't want to edit this paragraph, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. At the end of the day, um, I still really love fantasy stories and contemporary fantasy stories and classical mm-hmm. mythology and, um, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things that I put in, into the, the my works mm-hmm. that even if that particular day I'm hypercritical of, um, oh, they swung the sword wrong or, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, the I forgot to make the scroll glow when it, you know, gets touched with blood or whatever, that I still love the genre that I'm writing and I'm still love the characters. I'm still passionate about the work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so the advice would be just to make sure that you're creating things that you're passionate about and you're happy with and and that you wouldn't mind another set of eyes on. And then also, once you get to the step of it going out into the world that, you know, just trusting in your editors and your team to know that 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 everybody wants to make the best possible book. Mm-hmm. Um and and to to be representative of myself as an author of the publishing house, you know, the editor and, and, and all that. Yeah. Um, and then also just knowing that you are going to be your, your worst critic really. Um, yeah. And there's definitely things that I notice that other people are not going to notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and like, Oh, you know, that's not the right word that I really wanted. Well, yeah. you know, not every reader is going to pick, you know, some readers are, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Some people will, but not every reader is going to pick up on, you know, a word choice that you made or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, something like that. So, um, yeah, hopefully that helps. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I've always been curious about that. Also, uh, do you, I'm assuming you don't, you don't look at Goodreads, do you? Um, no, I try, I tend to stay off of it just because, um, it's, uh, uh, it seems like the Twitter of the book world. Yeah. Well, even Twitter I stay off of now too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have uh for my own just sanity yeah. um and peace of mind, 
tried to really stay away from review sites and and reviews and Twitter and and if you noticed I've I've not been on Twitter for a long time um mm-hmm. and 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 away from you know reviews are for readers they're they're not for authors yeah. really you know and and if mm-hmm. someone ha- has a review of something that I've done I can't go back and change it I mean yeah it, it already exists yeah yeah it exists so yeah so yes I try I tend to to stay away from those things. That's a that's good fine. thing. Yeah. yeah, that's that's. I think that's great advice. Both of those things, I think, are great advice because I think, especially now, we're so so used to being on social media. Um, like, I don't really like to upload my photographs to Instagram anymore because a, no one sees anything on Instagram, but also um, that's for me. The work that I make is for me at this point. Um, if I make anything, I don't need to <laughs> to hear what my my aunt Joe has decided to say about it. I do. Um, I still do have an Instagram and I, mm-hmm. and I actually uploaded today. I posted today. I don't normally mm-hmm. post very much, uh, anywhere nowadays. And, and that's just because, uh, you know, it's like we've talked about, it's just the kind of incessant onlineness, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is not the greatest, um, for anyone to be completely dialed in all the time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, Twitter has, has, or X, I yes. guess. <laughs> if you're always on um, Twitter, how are you going to notice that there's a weird yet hot guy sitting at your diner that's always wearing sunglasses? Yes. <laughs> how are you going to notice your magical future boyfriend? That's right. Hot guy. That is right. Um, I have to have that energy. I don't think I have anything else. Um, <laughs> I don't think I have anything else. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I have anything else I, uh, that I can talk about. Um, I'm just, <laughs> Not I'm, just look, I'm just looking at them. Um, just looking at these kids. Uh, but what, Sophie? Do you have anything you wanted to add before we uh, relinquish FT to the corn maze? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I don't. I'm. I'm I don't want this. I feel like I'm setting this up badly, but I don't want to be political. But mm-hmm. I think that, like, I felt definitely towards the end of the book like a very overwhelming like positive kind of like sense of like community and like the people who are directly surrounding you who are like impacting your life literally like every day can uh affect how you like survive in the world so much more than omniscient uh government and our goddess powers who possibly are not particularly helpful but i i like i really felt like kind of that i guess that's just like a thing that like no matter what you do that sort of permeates a queer story is that you if you indulge in a happy ending which you always give us a nice little happy ending you have this like beautiful community that you that you end with and it just always feels like very nice and safe and i just like really appreciate that in your writing Oh, thank you. I always, you know, I always want to try and give, like I said before, you know, for, um, I'm writing YA, I'm writing for young adult audiences. Um, and and I'm writing for adult audiences too, that are, you know, um, rediscovering their youth or, or enjoying Mm -hmm. just YA literature in general because of the themes that are usually in there. And, you know, there's there's room on the shelves for all kinds of stories. Um, yeah. There's rooms all the on the shelves for all kind of queer stories too, um, and um, those can be the coming out stories. Those can be the um, 
the the stories uh, that maybe are grounded a little more in, in real life. Um, but I am someone who writes fantasy books and um, I really want to give my readers safe spaces to be like we, we talked about with the phone call and um, mm-hmm. just to to have those happy endings to to show, you know, readers that that we all can have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. love that. I, I just really appreciated that kind of like sense of community that you always kind of create with your little D and D parties that you give us. Um, it's just really nice. Yeah. Especially <laughs> during this time of year when everything is very stressful. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 The individuals that you keep close are the important ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the nice. friends you make along the way. Oh no. <laughs> Oh my God, I was too sincere. Someone make a joke. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you, FT, did you want to like leave us with anything before um, Bram comes to get you? Is there anything that you have? <laughs> um, well, I hope folks enjoy Otherworldly. It is a little bit of a departure from my other books. It is a contemporary fantasy like Spellbound, but it is more um, mythic with, you know, gods and goddesses and, um, you know, uh, winters that are not changing to springs and supernatural beings. So uh, it's a, like I said at the start of our of our conversation, it's a little weird. Uh, <laughs> and I'm very appreciative of the privilege that I have that I am able to create a little weird books and that they get to be out in the world. Um, and uh, I thank all the readers. Um, I thank, of course, you guys for. Um, having me out again for the third time, which is awesome. Uh, and I, I really thank um, everyone who has uh, supported the books, pre-ordered, reviewed, um, even though I don't read them. And <laughs> um, it helps the books uh, get you know, sold, just, you know? Yeah, just, you know, booksellers, librarians, um, folks that have boosted my works. Um, I'm, I'm super appreciative um, and thankful for all of y'all. Awesome. Um, well, Sophie and I just want to thank you for coming on again. We yes. again, I, tr- like no joke. When I forwarded the email to Sophie, I was like, "So there's no question, right?" I didn't even. <laughs> re- I just literally saw your name and I was like, "Yeah, I don't even need to know what the book yeah, the, is." Yeah, the body yeah. of the the email was empty. It just an empty Lucan's question mark. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And. Um, yes, we're very, very happy that you were able to come back on again. And we're thank you so much for just this another lovely book. But yeah, all right. I guess I'll do our outro if no one has anything else to add. My name is Brandon Patrick. I have Sophie Green with me. Um, and we are visited today by FT Lukens. We were talking about their book, Otherworldly, which is out April 2nd. And this is the Superlit Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Outro music. Woo!